0: Welcome to Nintendo Main, episode 12. We are your hosts, myself, Trey Johnson, and
1: hey what's up it's jeremy mcowski
0: we're gonna try to do this a similar thing that we did last time with the mario rpg episode we're going to do a, a gamecube retrospective episode so which is one of one of my favorite consoles and a console that we uh you know experienced together because we you know we both went together to find it when it came out so it should be fun
1: yeah we went we went on the hunt we found it it was glorious and uh We were both on that hype train all the way up to the release of this console.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, uh, for me, it was, um, you know, the 64. uh, There was all this between the battle between the PlayStation and the 64. I remember being like, oh, disc-based, disc-based. That's why why I didn't get all these RPGs that I wanted for 64 was because of the disc-based. And then this one was going to be a disc-based system. And I was like, oh, yes, okay, now we'll get more games. And now we'll get more RPGs, you know, which we did. We did get a lot of great RPGs on that system. But uh, that's what I was thinking about from the beginning. And we we both we went to college together. We were both in the dorms together. And I remember one of the guys getting the game, getting the system, and I'm being like, "Oh, what's it like? Like, does it does it take a lot of loading time?" Because I remember the 64, like N- Nintendo's whole thing about not using discs. Discs was like, "Oh, well, you know, it's too much loading time. It takes you out of the experience and all that." So that when the GameCube came around, I was like, "Well, what's what's the loading time like?" And they were like, "Oh no, it's really smooth. Like you know, everything saves really well. Rogue Squadron looks great, and like it didn't really didn't really feel like a disc based system, you know, even though it was. I mean, I don't think it didn't have didn't seem to have all the problems that the PlayStation One did, but that was like new frontier at that time.
1: So smooth, like loading that console up, it was. It had a nice little intro, and it just very smoothly went into the game unless you held the button down. I don't know. I thought it was slick
0: and... Yeah, it had the spinning, had the spinning G. I remember uh, it might have been, I think it was after you got it, but I remember playing it in, in your dorm room or your cousin's dorm room. But we were playing it with Bobo and I remember him being like uh, uh, <laughs> I remember him being like, oh man, this looks great. I can't wait to see like Madden games on this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sure they look cool. But it was, uh, you know, at the time it was like the graphics and all that.
1: Well at the time it was a It was viewed as a contemporary Console to all the other ones that were out It was a little late but
0: Well it was after I mean it was um, It debuted uh, November 18th of 2001 And uh, when, it, when did Playstation 2 Launch? That came out a year before right? Because I know Playstation was I know Playstation was out it was in, It was in 2000 right? PS2 was? It was two thousand. Yes. Yeah. Cause I remember it uh, didn't Majora's Mass launch the same day as the PS two did? I think it did. I, I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because I, I remember they said that, that, that they sold more copies of the game than the system did. But it was new, you know. And later it became a monster a monstrosity of sales, you know. But uh, yeah, they oh, came yeah. a little bit late. But I think that the I think the Xbox and the GameCube came out like pretty much at the same time. I think
1: they did, now that you say yes, yeah. But it was contemporary as far as, like, its power and uh, ports and stuff. I, I feel for, like, for a while you really could get most of the same games on all three consoles. You could. With the exception of exclusives, of course.
0: Sure. And which they did have a lot of exclusives, which was cool. But, um, yeah, what I say about the GameCube, and I love the GameCube, um, but what I would say about it now, if I was talking to somebody about it, I'd be like, well, the GameCube was, like, Nintendo's last, like, full third-party system. You know, because they had a they had a good, very good third-party lineup, and most games were on that. There were a couple ones like Guitar Hero didn't make it, and like and like you know, Grand Theft Auto was never on there, but um, and I, and Metal Gear as well didn't make it. But but for the most point, for the for most games, I could say like seventy percent of the games you were able to get them on that system with all the other systems.
1: Well, actually, Metal Gear did make it, but it was a remake of the first one.
0: Oh, you're right. Yeah, Metal Gear Solid One, which was only on that. Yeah, I almost forgot about that game. Yeah, that was that was a good game. I like that game. By is sil- a definitive version of the game. Yeah, by Silicon Knights actually. Well, like co-Silicon Knights with Konami, which was actually the first Metal Gear game I ever played because I didn't I didn't own a PlayStation One, so it's the first time I played Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid was that version of it, and I feel like it came out sort of around the same time of like three. Because I remember playing one and then three directly after on PlayStation Two. So, and it was like made after Eternal Darkness, which was another like insanely awesome game that was made like way ahead of its time. By Silicon Knights. Yeah. yeah, by Silicon Knights, by the same company. That's what I'm saying, like the Silicon Knights helped with the Twin Snakes game.
1: And I never played that. I'd love to play it. I've checked it out on eBay. Looks like it's gonna be. It's not gonna be cheap to get a hold of it, but I'd like to play it someday.
0: Thankfully, I still have my Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes game. I've not gotten rid of it. Very nice. Which is uh, yeah, because I fucking love that game. and like, I thought it looked really awesome. It was like it was along the same line as like the the Resident Evil. Like speaking of other amazing remakes, uh, the Resident Evil remake on GameCube, it's fucking fantastic. But That's that. Scary. But that was, like, another game that I played, like, that I played multiple times until I could get through it in, like, a couple hours. Like, I remember, because I think I beat the Resident Evil remake on GameCube, like, probably, like, six times. And, like, the last time I beat it, I beat it in, like, like, six hours, I think. Like, I got to the point where I could just, like, speed through it. And I had gotten, like, the rocket launcher and, like, all the extra outfits and, like, all this shit. But I, like, loved playing it so much that I just kept going through it over and over and over again. That was really, I mean, that was part of, I mean, that was part of the of the Capcom relationship that they had, right? The uh, Resident Evil nice. remake, because they had the, if you remember correctly, there was the Capcom Five, well, originally the Capcom Five, but then later changed to the Capcom Four, which was supposed to be like this big exclusive thing. And I think only one games, one game out of the Capcom Four ended up being fully exclusive, and that was uh, the pn Three, which was the game that nobody got, you know. Project Number Three. I remember playing that for a little bit. I feel like the control was really was really wonky on it.
1: I think I played a, i played a demo of it. I never. I don't think I ever actually played a copy of the game.
0: Maybe it was just the demo that I played. I don't think I actually played the game. But there were a lot of demos. Like I remember the. You uh, remember the Mario Kart Double Dash disc that came with the uh, came with the demo disc? And I remember you got a. De- I think somehow you got a hold of a different one, and we like traded them.
1: Yeah, I got a, uh, I bought a used copy of the demo disc from GameStop, and I ended up getting a disc that was for the kiosk, so it had slightly different demos on it. I think Soul Calibur, right?
0: Yeah, it had a. It had Ultimate. Was it Ultimate Muscle? It had that Japanese wrestling game on there. Yep. That was made by. I remember that because I would listen to the intro song on that. Yeah, it was like Aki Man and all that It was like the guys who made the... um, It was basically what became of the uh, WCW, WWF games for uh, 64. It was like the, you know, what after that. Because there was the Def Jam Vendetta games on GameCube, which were awesome too. And then that was the other side of it, was was like the anime wrestling stuff. The Ultimate Legend, which is a game I'd like to get a hold of. That's uh, something I like about GameCube, is there's still a... There's still a lot of games out there that I just, you know, that I still want to get that I don't have. Like, it had, like, such a large library that there's still stuff to collect, you know. I'm still buying GameCube games. Like, maybe, like, a year ago, I bought, like, I bought, like, Simpsons Hit and Run and Tony Hawk 4, you know, (laughs) at a used place.
1: They're so cool. They're, they're like, these little itty-bitty proprietary format DVDs that are, like, what are they, 2 inches? 2.4? five, or I don't know what the exact size is, the dimensions, but they're tiny, and I just remember being really impressed by what was in those little tiny discs.
0: Yeah, they were half the size of regular discs, I think, because, um, from what I heard, they did that because of uh, copyright, you know, fear of copyright. They were afraid that people were going to be, because I I know, like, people had hacked PS2s and PS1s, where you could, like, use burn discs on it. And from what I heard, they made those smaller ones because, you know, it's that's harder. To, you can't get blank discs and that on that size, so people wouldn't be able to hack the games. You know, is what I heard. For that was the reason for them having the different size of it. You know.
1: Well, it also. I mean, I don't think you could have fit a full disc, and at least the the final design of the console was probably smaller because they were able to use the smaller disc.
0: Sure. But do you remember? Uh, do you remember the Panasonic Q? Do you remember that? There was a. I do remember. Yeah, I remember because that was the because I remember people talking about the, there being a big deal that it was a big deal that like the GameCube wasn't a wasn't a DVD player because it was the only like disc based system at that time that didn't play DVDs. But there was a there was a system called the Panasonic Q, which was basically a GameCube that played DVD players, and it was a bigger cube. Well, I mean, I never saw one, but I heard, I read talk of it online. You know.
1: Well, so I I did read a little bit about it. They had an agreement with Nintendo because they helped develop the GameCube and some of the chip technology in it. Um, maybe chip technology, maybe disc. Don't quote me on either. It, it was something internal in the GameCube that Panasonic was heavily involved in helping Nintendo develop, and so they were able to strike a contract with Nintendo. Well, then we're going to be able to make this D V D player with GameCube functionality. And as far as I know, like not very many were sold. They were pretty expensive and they were huge and they worked, but I just don't think they ever took off. And Japan, right? They were I think they were only available in Japan. Oh yeah? And I don't think they sold enough to to uh, warrant an international release, so you could probably still get a hold of one and modify it, or figure out a way to use it with uh, non-Pal or you know, Pal. This I don't know what, whatever, whatever we use here. I don't even know what it was called on the GameCube.
0: It's NTSC here. Yeah, and it's PAL and in uh, other countries. So yeah, I yeah I wondered if yeah maybe it never. I think you're right now. Maybe it was never released here, but I would still like to get a hold of one, like just as a souvenir, just because of. How much I like my GameCube! I mean, I like my GameCube so many, so much that I bought three GameCubes in my in my lifetime. I bought, I bought three of them, you know.
1: You're one up on me. I've got I've gotten two, but I only got the second one because my first one died.
0: Yeah, I bought uh, my first one died as well. Well, and that was the one that we got together, right? Like when we found it at the Walmart in East Peoria, I think it was, right? Yeah. Do you remember the we we had a we had a running joke about that when we were looking for. Uh, because we were going around looking for GameCubes, and it was a joke to, to say like we were like, "Well, what what else can we ask for?" And you're like, "Like, oh, do you think they have any like 32Xs?" <laughs> I remember that you know, going around uh, making a joke about that. And I think I ended up getting a 32X for you that didn't work later, like that, like for that Christmas. Yeah, I, I think. Never got working, <laughs> but it was a beautiful piece of tech. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it was just a joke about that being like, "Oh, let's ask for something else because." Uh, Tired of people not having Amcube. Right, sick
1: so of the disappointment. But the inevitable win of finding one was...
0: It was pretty amazing, yeah. Revisible.
1: It was worth all the disappointment. And I remember uh, causing quite a little scene in the store.
0: Oh, sure. It was a
1: 24-hour store, so it was the, dead in the middle of the night. It was, what, probably between 4 and 5 when we finally got our hands
0: on it. Yeah, it was a twenty. It was 24-hour, I think because we were going to my mom's house, and I think we just stopped there on the way there. But um, yeah, it was a 24-hour place, and we found uh, we found him there. And I think I might have even called my mom, and woke her up, and be like, "Hey, uh, you know, we got these. Can you, you know, can I? Can you like give me money, and then it'll be a birthday, a Christmas present? <laughs> you know, because it ended up being a Christmas present." I think I bought it, I bought it and then gave it to her and then we played yours, we played your copy of it after that. We played the GameCube that you got. Yeah, so I think what happened
1: was pretty much you kind of like spotted me for that GameCube and then I paid you back for it and then you got yours back. You got yours for Christmas, if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, because I think we bought, but I think we got both of them at the same time, but mine went to my mom to rap to give to me later, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh didn't I, I thought you had paid for it with the um money from uh my old roommate's mini disc recorder. Wasn't that it? Like the it. yeah, the one that you yeah. sold. So
1: yeah, so I sold a couple of things I remember specifically. I, I rebought Nestor's Funky Bowling, which is a rare virtual boy game or semi rare. Um, and I remember I sold it for thirty bucks. Um and I had purchased the console with the game for thirty bucks, so I I I sold it for 30 bucks and I recently rebought the game for 20, but uh, that was part of the money. So I sold uh, Nestor and then I sold that mini disc recorder that your roommate had left behind, the one that disappeared, your roommate that disappeared. Um, And uh, I tried to use it, I tried to put uh, songs on it, but it, it was like an early model where you couldn't put data. You could only put actual, just audio files, so you were limited by the. So it, it wasn't that cool of a thing really at the time, like it didn't really beat a burned CD really, so I was like I might as well just sell this and I get on eBay and I didn't realize like how much those things were worth, like I think I ended up selling it for like 150 bucks. this was
0: back in like 2001. Yeah. 2000 yeah yeah it was 2001 it was at the end of it yeah I put it
1: on eBay and uh, the bids got all the way up to like 150 and I sold it and between that and the 30 bucks from Nestor's uh, funky bowling I had almost all the money I needed
0: for the Gamecube I remember buying games to play on your system that I would play later you know on my system when I got it I remember the launch I mean the launch of that was pretty good like uh, Sm- uh, Smash Brothers wasn't quite it wasn't quite launched, but it was like close. It was like very close to. The, it was in the launch window.
1: I think it had a, a nice selection of multiplayer games when it came out, which was good because
0: I remember what we played the most. I think was yeah, it was it was Tony Hawk Three, Smash Brothers Melee, and Rogue Leader were like the three games that we played the shit out of. At what I remember playing the shit out of, like when it came out, and yeah, we played Luigi's Mansion.
1: But I think you like rented that right, and then you got it later, but.
0: Yeah, I rent, rented Luigi's Mansion, which we called Luigi's crawl space because it was so small, because it was so short. But it but it was such a great fucking game, regardless. But yeah, it was it was short on the short side. But yeah, that was something that became a fran well launched a franchise which came out much much later, the 3ds Luigi's Dark Moon, which we've talked about before. But um, you know, it was a that was a cool thing. That, that was, this was the first. It was also the first system that launched without a Mario game. You know, it didn't have a Super Mario Bros. right off the bat. It had Luigi's Mansion, which was a completely complete departure of that type of thing. And I guess that was kind of a good setup for like what the GameCube would be, where it's like, whoa, well, we're going to do these different things. And Pikmin 1 was a launch title also, which I think I got later after Christmas, after I got the system. I think I got Pikmin 1.
1: I still need to play through that. That's, uh, I, I've become more, a bit more of a Pikmin fan lately because of Pikmin 3.
0: I think that. I mean, yeah, Pikmin's great, but I think that uh I don't know, if I was to recommend to, to someone who only had a GameCube, I would recommend Pikmin 2 over Pikmin 1. Cuz Pikmin 1 is like really hard and like you kind of you almost kind of got to get to the point of like making charts on your own of like when you're going to go pick up certain things to try to get everything because you only have a certain amount of days that you can stay there before there's an ultimate game over. It's got sort of a roguelike well, you got a you got a strategy. Uh, you got a strategy to the fuck out of it. That's what I'm saying. Like, and I did, but the last fucking boss, like, I never beat the last dude. Like the very last guy that has a vault in him that'll get you money where you're rich in the end of the game. That dude's insanely hard. Like, he will kill like 100 Pikmin in like one fucking swipe. And I could, I never made it through him. Like, I, I, and I did, and I like did the strategy where I like planned out every day, like how I'm going to grow up all these mini and like get all the stuff for the because there's different ways you can beat it. But you only get like 30 days, I think. You only get like a month.
1: Right, so you have to maximize what you're doing every day or you're just wasting time.
0: Yeah, and that was what a lot of people, what was what it was kind of criticized about, I guess, was um, was how that there was a timeline and everything. You don't really have a whole lot of time to explore. And the games are pretty and you kind of want to do that. Where the second one, uh, Pikmin 2, which I really like Pikmin 2. I haven't made it all the way through, but I loved what I played of it. They did the other side where it's, like, no it's like no time limit. Like, you can stay for hour long. And, like, the coolest thing in Pikmin 2, which I wish they would have done in 3, but they didn't, was the uh, dungeons. There's, like, dungeons in there where you basically go into this hole with your Pikmin, and there's no time limit in the dungeon. Like, you can stay there for, like, hours, and the sun will never set, like, while you're in the dungeon, which is really cool.
1: Are you able to save inside the dungeon, or are you just, once you're in there, you have to commit to it?
0: I think you have to finish it in one sitting, but I just like that that's like a dedicated – This it's like this is the dedicated part of this. And I kind of miss that in 3 because in Pikmin 3, they kind of did like a mixture of that where they're like, oh, well, you still – you can still diet a certain – like you, you still can only be there for a certain amount of days if you don't collect enough fruits like to sustain your life, you know. So in the third one, it's about like, you know, collecting food to keep yourself alive. And if you don't collect enough, then yeah, you'll get a game over. But it's, like, kind of, like, there's a, it's kind of like a time limit, but there's kind of not, you know?
1: But you can also build a surplus and have some, like, wiggle room.
0: Yeah, it's like, if you collect enough stuff to sustain you for a certain amount of time, you can go farther with it. It's not, like, it's not going to end in a certain amount of days. It depends on, like, how much you've taken from the world, which is cool. I just kind of wish the uh, dungeons were in there from 2. But, uh, yeah, yeah, Pikmin was very cool, uh, yeah, very just different, very different, uh, thing that came out of, uh came out of the GameCube as a launch title. That was, like, Miyamoto's baby, I guess. He had a, he had a garden, and he thought that they were, like, little...
1: Well, that was Miyamoto's first new, like, franchise in a while. I don't know what the... how it would have been, but I, I do remember it was a big-ass deal, because, like, holy shit, Miyamoto's got a new game that he came up with.
0: Well, because, yeah, he was, like, because I, I know he, like, uh, created a lot of things about his life, and apparently that was... Inspired by his garden or whatever, he's like, "What if there's people that? What if there's little things that live in there?" And you know, and then it came from that. But it was a cool game. It's just a very tough game. Did
1: they? Uh, did they tweak anything besides just the controls and the the play, the the Wii versions of Pikmin One and Two? Like, because I know they changed the controls, of course, where you can use the pointer. But did any of the rules change with the time limits or anything?
0: No, I think it's just the controls. I don't know. I didn't buy either of those. I didn't buy any either of the Wii the new play ones. I was just
1: curious if maybe they're better games to get if you wanna get into the first two Pikmin.
0: I mean they're probably easier to get. But I mean as far as like
1: as far as like controls and overall like enjoyability of the experience if they're better in addition to being cheaper.
0: I don't think they altered the actual gameplay or anything like that. I don't think they changed like the time limit. I think it just made the controls different. But I don't know, I didn't play it. But, um, that would be a cool thing for them to get on a virtual console, you know, since they're doing those so many Wii ones. And, uh, we forgot to mention that Resident Evil 4, another huge GameCube game, the Resident Evil 4 Wii edition, like, you know, got put out for virtual console on Wii U last week, which is, which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. At least they gave them that, right? Because, because uh, there's like HD versions of Resident Evil Zero and Resident Evil Remake. On Xbox One and PS4 now, but not Wii U. Which I thought that was kind of a like stab in the back, right? Like two games that were Nintendo exclusives now are not Nintendo exclusives, or not even for Nintendo at all.
1: Man, I forgot about Resident Evil Zero. That game was something else. You can make them dance.
0: I mean, Resident Evil Zero is not like the best game. Is not like I don't. I don't even think it's really like a great game by any by any means. But it was cool that yeah, we did get a full on Resident Evil sequel you know, that was not PlayStation 1 on GameCube as an exclusive. And it had
1: two-player simultaneous play.
0: Yeah, but with one player, <laughs> where you control both of them, you know? Yeah. And, and I remember making jokes about it, because they had that weird villain that looked like he was from a Final Fantasy game, like he didn't really fit into Resident Evil. If you remember that, it'd be like this guy who, he had those leeches that he controlled that made zombies, you remember that? Yeah. It, but he looked like he looked like uh, he looked like Kefka or something. He looked like something out of a Final Fantasy game. Like he did not look he he just looked kinda of out of place, I think, in that game.
1: I think I remember we, we played that game when we were in Louisville, Louisville, however you want to say it. Uh we were there for a couple of days and we played it while we were there but for Crazy Fest. I don't think we yeah we got a little ways into the game but we never finished it
0: yeah and I think I bought it later but I don't know if I don't remember if I got all the way through but I remember the villain being like yeah looking like this you know looking like this uh, anime JRPG dude like in a you know in a survival horror, and it didn't really fit right and whatever read of reviews of it now on the HD version it's kind of like they're like well yeah it doesn't really it's still kind of it still kind of doesn't feel right it still doesn't really fit you know what it was but
1: i i would love to play the the remake of resident evil 4 on the wii i've played both the playstation 2 versions and the weave or the gamecube version so i've played completely through both of them and open unlocked everything or whatever
0: i didn't play the playstation 2 version but i do have the wii version and i i told you i i well, i told you um I liked it better because uh I could actually make it through the gun games. Like I couldn't do very well on the GameCube, but I did really well in the Wii one because the pointer control. The pointer control helped me and I was able to get all the uh extra stuff. And that was also wasn't that the first time that Mercenary Modes was on there or was that on GameCube also? Mercenary was on GameCube. Oh it was? I thought it was added for the Wii version. I
1: remember watching you play that at Bethany's place.
0: Oh no, it wasn't wasn't it the um was it the extra story with uh the story with, um, how, what's her name? The girl, like the main girl that was in there. Or oh, was that on GameCube also? You remember where there was like the side story with her in there? Was that just the Wii, Wii version or was that on the GameCube version?
1: I think that might have been not in the original version. I don't
0: know. You know, I'm talking about the girl with the dress that was, uh,
1: I do know that the Wii version was. Uh, had all the extras that the PS2 version had. So most likely that extra quest was from the ps2
0: yeah it did it came it was i think it was like the definitive version i guess to some but uh yeah i don't know i mean i i I played it through it but it was a long time ago i mean if you would have asked me like six years ago whatever when i was playing through it i would i would have told you
1: but yeah i i guess the long and short of it is i haven't purchased the uh version yet because i have it on GameCube, I own it physically on GameCube, PS2, and then I also purchased it when it was on sale on the 360. So I already have three copies of the game that I can play. So, But none of them have pointer control. That's something that is unique about the Wii version that I really want to try, actually, because I love that game. That game's, you know, I remember it being pretty harrowing and scary when I played it the first couple of times, but, you know, you just get, like, used to it, and it's just a fun game. Game, it's just a fun three D game and shooter and light puzzle elements. Nothing too crazy as far as the puzzles go.
0: That game's good; it's yeah, right. very good. But that was a uh, yeah. On the talk of the Capcom Four, which we haven't mentioned all of, them we said Piano Piano Three, or I, I don't even remember the number of it. It was either like Piano Three or Piano Four. I think it was Piano Three. Yeah, Piano Three, but yeah, it was a uh, Piano Three Beautiful Joe, which is a really cool game too. Game was great Yeah, Beautiful Joe, piano 3 Killer7 And, and uh, Resident Evil 4 Which which were originally supposed to be All exclusives To GameCube, but they ended up releasing them Later for other things Which I thought was kind of a stab in the back Because I remember RE4 coming out and be like Oh, this game's awesome And then like maybe like a year later It's like, yeah, PS2 like, eh.
1: But it, there were some sacrifices made I, don't, I mean, I think that Graphically, it's slightly inferior On the PS2 well
0: yeah yeah I mean well i've I mean the gamecube was was more powerful than ps2 I mean I believe I looked everything looked a lot better and I remember when it came out like people said it was easier to develop for or a lot of the uh, companies did
1: did Resident Evil 4 ever come out for the original Xbox
0: I don't know i don't I don't think it did but I don't know but I but I, I don't know the first
1: Xbox release was the digital download on the
0: 360 of Resident Evil 4 I think
1: so. I'd have to do some research, but that game's—you know—that's a game they've like milked the shit out of. Like, let's we'll just keep releasing it. And That's okay; it's a great game, but it really is kind of like a the Mario brother, you know, the Super Mario Brothers of the Resident Evil series. If that makes any sense, it's like it's the game that everyone loves. Like, let's just keep releasing it because it's fun to play.
0: Oh, uh, it's yeah. No, I mean uh, they've talked about on and on like the Nintendo voice chat. On IGN, they've talked about how it sh- they're like, oh, it should be a 3DS game, which would be pretty cool if they put it on there. Yeah, no, I think Ada. Ada's the girl, right? Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's the same. There's just more costumes and stuff. But I just played through it again, yeah, because it's a fun game, and I found it a lot easier with the pointer control to aim at stuff.
1: Yeah, I loved the light RPG elements of upgrading all your weapons. Yeah, the size of your suitcase and everything.
0: Yeah, definitely. One thing I thought was funny about that game is, like, uh, do you remember like the little things that you would find that you would shoot? They had like this sort of little mini game at the beginning, where you would find these little targets in the game. Do you remember that? And if you hit the Z button, which was kind of sort of a hidden button behind the R behind the R trigger, you could find a map that showed you like where they were. This was like in the, just in the very beginning of the game, and you got like a you got like a hand a handgun upgrade for doing it. Do you remember that? No,
1: I don't remember that. That must be a secret I didn't
0: know. What Was it? Well, my, my friend John. uh my friend John from Michigan, he, like, had played through. Like, we kind of got it at the same time, but maybe I got it later. But, um, like, he, he like, was, we were, I was playing through at the beginning. I remember he was hanging out we were talking about it. And he was like, uh, he's like, yeah, there's this little mini game thing, which I didn't even find out about until I already beat the game, and it was playing through the second time. And I'm like, oh, yeah. They're, like, the same thing with the map, with the Z button map. He's like, yeah, I never hit that until later. So you just get a
1: secret handgun upgrade for discovering the
0: Z button? yeah pretty much well if you play through this like little little mini game that's at the beginning of the game and you get it you get yeah you get a more powerful handgun like for that part but then it's you know but then it becomes something else later but uh yeah and the uh the uh, the, the the fucking salesman dude which became like a mega 64 thing later the whole, like, uh, what are you buying? What are you selling? That guy. What are you buying? That guy was pretty hilarious, too. Like, he's just like, yeah, everything was like, yeah. It was like, what are you buying? He's so like, first I'll buy know, it at a high of, price. You're, in the, you're inside of a building, and you see someone walk by, and you assume it's a, something you're going to have to kill. You go outside, and there's just this creepy zombie-looking guy in a trench coat. Yeah, <laughs> you can you can kill him. Did you know that? Have you ever killed him? Yeah, I yeah, have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you you can shoot him, and then he just won't he won't come back, and then you kind of fuck yourself. But yeah, you you can kill him. You can kill the what are you selling guy, which which I which I did before out of accident. One of the funniest things about that game is I remember they were very adamant about the about them not being zombies in that game, but like some sort of plant people. And the first one that you kill, like if you push A over it, it says like. Definitely not a zombie. <laughs> That's like yeah, the, it's like the words that it puts on the bottom of the screen. It's like not a zombie. <laughs> it's, like, it's like we're gonna keep pushing it that push it that far. But that was like that was what was cool. I don't know. Uh, so the more cool GameCube stuff, like the like I, like back to back to uh, Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes. I remember there's a part where there's a where there's two little um there's like Mario figures in the level. There's like a Mario and a mushroom and a Yoshi. And if like you shoot the mushroom, you get you get your life back like during the fight. And I remember doing that like to to get through that particular boss battle, which I thought was difficult. But it's just like you know little things like that that was on there. Because the
1: because Kojima obviously loves Nintendo. Oh sure. He liked Yoshi and Mario and
0: all that. Yeah, he liked to add it, add it in there, and he wanted to. Wanted like Snake and Smash Brothers and all that, and he got it for one game. (laughs) One game. I wanted to make sure. I wanted to mention like when we first got when we first got the GameCube that we you know we played we played the crap out of your copy like at my apartment that I had at the time. But do you remember like Smash Brothers Melee? Like how we played the shit out of that game, and one. I do we were we were
1: actually trying to collect all the trophies.
0: Yeah, we were trying to get all the trophies and all the characters and all that. But one like one great memory I remember from playing that game was uh when we watched all the videos. You remember how there were all those videos on there? It would just be like stuff of like them rotating the trophies or like just weird stuff of like the characters reacting to each other. It was just so cool that like all that shit was was like uh hidden on there, you know? You could find, and it was you could find just all this funny stuff to watch that was very Japanese or whatever. I just you know I never really saw that on a game at that time because I, you know, because I don't think any game like had that much. Shit onto that little, tiny disc. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anything had any anything had that much content all the, at the time. You know. No, and all that content was on that disc because you know this is pre-internet connectivity. Well, at least with the GameCube. Sure. So, Even though there was a GameCube. there was a modem for the GameCube. Which what which what? Uh, Star Fantasy Star Online was, I think, the only thing that used it from Dreamcast. Which there were, there was one amazing Dreamcast game that was on the GameCube that I fucking loved the shit out of. Uh, the Skies of Arcadia, which I which I, I think you still have my copy. I lent it to you, but but yeah. Speaking of like, like I said before, how I wanted a system that had RPGs. That game was like exactly what I wanted from an RPG. Like, it was, like, turn based. Like, it felt a lot like Final Fantasy VI. You know, and it had, like, a great story, like, awesome characters, like, uh, you know, different, cool, like, combat system. Like, I remember, like, you would have different weapons based in different, like, um, different magic types. Like, there was, like, a, there was, like, you know, there was, like, a, there was, like, an earth type, and, like, a fire type, and, like, a wind type, and all these different things that so you could learn different, uh, you could you could learn different spells based on like what you equipped. I remember that being really cool. But yeah, I had a fucking blast with that game. I don't remember and you what. To switch the elementals of your weapon depending on who you're fighting to. Like. Yeah, yeah, to a, a yeah to a point of like what or... was because I remember there was like yellow one. They had like electric. There's like electricity ones that are yellow, and it was yeah. And, and you had like a ship, and you could like recruit recruit different members for the ship that weren't like part of your party but would help. And there were these cool like ship battles also. I remember, like pirate type, uh, where you shoot one thing or another, like strategy, you know, almost like turn-based yeah, strategy type stuff, which was really cool. A little
1: ahead of its time as well. It was a, like
0: you said, a Dreamcast. It was a Dreamcast game, yeah. Early for the Dreamcast. Yeah, it was a Dreamcast game that was re-released for GameCube, but it was good. Like I thought it was really, really good. Like I mean, I, I, I love the shit out of it. I mean, I, I think it came out like, like a summer or whatever. But I just like played the fuck out of that, and I remember playing it and being like, and I think it was like a sixty-hour game. But I remember playing it and just wishing that it was like that it would just never end, like because I love the characters, I love the story. Like I just, I don't know, it just was exactly what I needed, you know. You got to be pirates. Yeah, you were uh, air pirates, air space pirates. pirates, which is really cool. I mean, they it's all very airships and RPG. I mean it's very you could I mean there's a lot of hatred I guess for JRPGs now which is dumb because those are like my favorite games. I have no hatred for JRPGs. Well, I don't either. But I mean, I see it on the internet where people are angry. I don't know. I don't understand why they're angry. I JRPGs are way better than western RPGs in my opinion, but that's what I grew up on and that's what I love. But that was like feel- that game was like perfect was exactly what I wanted at that time. Like, when it came out, I was like, I got it, and, like, from beginning to end, I didn't play another game. I was just like, this this game is fucking amazing. And I just played the shit out of it and loved every moment of it. And that really, you know, meant a lot to me. But speaking of other uh, other RPGs on the GameCube, there was uh, Tales of Symphonia was on there, which uh, the game, the game was, was pretty, was really pretty. Like, looked like an anime uh, action i I'd never played a tails game before that but that one that one was dope and uh also don't forget uh Bait and kados which Bait was a uh, monolith uh Zeno blade but i think that was the first um that was like when nintendo like acquired them right it was gamecube time probably it was when they became like a second party company yeah i believe cuz that one must have been after like xeno well Xenogears gears was ps1 but it must have been after like Xeno Saga, PS2.
1: Well, there were two There are two, uh, Bait and Kato's games released on GameCube.
0: There were. There was, uh, yeah, there was Bait and Kato's and Bait, o- Bait and Kato's Origins. Which, I didn't make it... I, I played the shit out of the first one, but I didn't beat the second one. But I think I... I mean, I remember getting it later, but not playing yeah, it the as much. Yeah, second one was a prequel. Yeah, it was a prequel. So, it was called Origins. Bait I don't know, something about that game, so... The battle system was all card-based. Yeah, the
1: card battles. And I had never really gotten into card games, like, that's just not something that... I played a little bit of the the Pokemon game with my brother when I was growing up, but... um, So, like, I got pretty far into that game sort of understanding the the system, but not really understanding the subtle mechanics that you really needed to know about building your deck before a battle and stuff, so, like... I remember I just kind of breezed through the game... For a couple hours, then it got a little hard, and then, it basically, it forced me to learn the mechanic, like, I couldn't get any further unless I actually just learned how it worked, so, that's just one of the, one of those few times I can remember in my life where I just was like, okay, I have to, like, get better at this game, so I have to learn, and it was hard, but once I finally figured it out, once it clicked... The game became like twice as fun as it was before because all of a sudden, I'm like, holy shit, like, I know what's happening now in these battles. Like, and uh, and, and uh, so I actually beat that game. And I was so proud of myself for beating that game because it was that was that was a hard ass game.
0: Yeah, I remember there was a really, really hard last boss for that. I remember there were some like some things that were different on it from most RPGs. Like, am I correct that you would take pictures of the did you take pictures of the creatures you'd encounter and sell that for money to buy other things? Yeah. That, wasn't that like how you would get money, like pretty much? And I remember, yeah, you would have you would you would basically like, yeah, you would have to, what you would do, like whether you healed or fought or whatever, was all based on the cards that were dealt to you or whatever. Yeah. So it was a whole different it's a whole different thing. So was yes. Of, it was, yeah. So it was, it was a lot of fun, and it was like really rewarding when those cards would show up. Uh, yes. Yeah. So it My was. Card showed up when I needed it. Yeah. So it was very much like a like a card game, you know, like Magic the Gathering or like or like Jihad or the Masquerade or whatever, where you like where you like build a, you know, where you where you like build your deck so to try to have certain ones come up at whatever whatever times, you know. So it was. Very much like that. And I guess it, around that time when it came out, that was sort of a thing, you know, that they were trying to build off of, but I don't know, thought, I thought it was, thought it was pretty rad. The, uh, you know, bait and Kato's. Have I ever... played uh, a Pokemon training card game, I downloaded it on my 3DS, and it's pretty fun. I mean, the interface is kind of archaic compared to like, you know, surely they can release this game on touch screen
1: of interface point, Oh sure. But, uh, but it, it's a lot of fun, even like that old school Game Boy Color
0: game like Oh sure. Yeah I've, I've, played, played it. I've played it's a little playing for three ninety nine or four ninety nine, whatever. Yeah on the subject of Pokemon card games, uh the GameCube was the one time that they tried to make a Pokemon RPG console game. Do you remember that? They had a Pokemon Coliseum There was, like, a side game on there that was a full-on Pokemon RPG. And then there was Pokemon XD after that. Gale of Darkness is what it was called. That had a... That actually... Where they actually made a console Pokemon game. Who knew? Like, everybody's like, oh, they need to make one. Well, they made one. And I didn't play Gale of Darkness, but I played Pokemon Coliseum, The uh, side thing on that. And I thought that was really cool. I mean, for what it was. You know, I, I dug it. I remember getting, uh, certain roommates said that it looked like a 64 game, but I thought it was cool. (laughs) I thought the graphics were not quite as good, but, but I dug it. I mean, that was, that was a big thing for GameCube, I think, you know. Well, we've noticed a trend with Pokemon games. They're always, I don't know, they always kind of look like a generation behind, even on the console they're on. Sure. I mean, they were never, I mean, I don't think they were ever really, like, you know, um, High high technical graphic games. Even though the 3ds ones look really good, I think I think they still look pretty awesome. Like X, Y, and Omega Red and and uh, Alpha Sapphire look pretty look pretty awesome. I think. I haven't played those. Do they have like more 3D stuff in them
1: than X, Y did? Uh
0: yeah, I mean yeah the the Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire ones fully 3D, whereas like X and Y was only 3D during the fights. You mean like the actual three D ness of it? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I meant. But that might be I don't know, that might be a new three DS thing also, too. I don't know. But um but like the I i apparently somebody asked there was like a Iwata minute or Nintendo Minute or whatever where somebody was like, Hey, why don't you make some more uh Pokemon Coliseum Pokemon Stadium type games and they were like, oh, well, but you don't want that. You don't need that anymore because now the Pokemon are 3D on 3DS, so you don't need, you know. Because those those were originally supposed to be like, here's your Pokemon, but in better graphics. You can see how they look in, like, you know, in this 3D environment. But they're already doing that in the game, so that's they said that's why they discontinued that after the 3DS games. So that's what they said. But I don't know. But it was cool. So it's already kind of, it already kind of is, pol- like, Coliseum is integrated into... The game sounds kind of what they're saying. Yeah, that's basically because what they're saying is that d Pokémon battles wait, that you always wanted. Sure. Yeah, they're like, yeah, well now they're in 3D so you don't need to see your characters in a 3D space anymore. Even though they don't have those awesome minigames. Like those all the 64 ones were all about the mini games, I thought. But um But yeah, the yeah, the GameCube had a lot of, had a lot of cool it had a lot of cool releases. And we haven't even I mean we haven't even like touched like the big guns yet. Like we haven't got into like Super Mario Sunshine or Wind Waker, which I don't know what I don't know what your favorite GameCube game is, but I think I think Wind Waker has to be the one for me, you know. And I feel like that's probably kinda of the go to for the best GameCube game. I think, unless you unless you have another thought on it. Okay, so I, I, I was uh, thinking a lot about this. Obviously, that's where my brain arrived first because Wind Waker is just such a. It's a beautiful, beautiful fucking game. game. It, yeah.
1: it, it stood the test of time more than a lot of 3D games, like even 3D games from just this last generation. Like, oh yeah, don't, it's don't translate as well because that game just
0: like. It's got a sort of timeless appeal to it, which, contrary to all the fan or you know the anti fanboys, I don't know what you would call them, that were not into the style change. But at the but at at the time, yeah, like like when they saw it, they're like, oh, it's too cartoony. But then when it came out, like people just were like, oh, well, why were I I forget who it was, but there was a particular um, one of the magazines that reviewed it. That was like the first line of it was why why were we worried? Like, what were we worried about? It's it's great, you know, like why, you know. And I feel I think I think it's funny because a lot of people have kind of it come a, a lot of people have kind of come around on that. Like I remember people giving it a lot of shit when it came out, but now people are like the best Zelda the game ever, like the most beautiful fucking Zelda game, which it is. It's a fucking gorgeous game. It looks amazing. I mean, my problem the polish was just, I think the polish is a really important part of Wind Waker. Like it just it's so clean. Yes, there are like spots you can find where you can like flip out of the environment
1: or whatever, you know, you could you can find those glitches, but for the most part like I didn't I don't yeah. know it's just, there's no wonkiness to it. Like it's it's a game that you can tell every detail was obsessed over until they
0: got it just right. Oh sure. Well I remember I remember watching you playing it and you were just like uh you were just marveling at like just the way like the shadows looked with the torches. You know, just the way the fire moved and like the way the shadows on the walls were from that. And yeah, it's just like animated so well. Like everything just looks fucking cool. I remember like killing, like when you destroy people, and like just the smoke coming up from it, and like just watching that, and just be like, "This is." There's just loads of detail in here. Like I, I remember that, you know. And it looks incredible. Like, and if you've seen like the Wii U version of the HD version, it just like pushes that more. It's like wow. Like like ten years from now. You could still play that game and just be like, "This still looks fucking amazing." You know, you're not going to be like, "Oh, this looks dated."
1: And I will say, when I yeah, when I bought the HD version on uh, Wii U, that became the only game I played, like until I beat it again because it was just so. Man, it just looks so great on my big TV. You know, like it, it. It just it's it has to the test of time, and that's that's why that. It's probably my favorite GameCube game, but I was gonna say like maybe a game that not a lot of people mentioned that, that is one of my favorites on GameCube, uh, and you could probably agree is Super Monkey Ball Two. That game was so. That game was so good.
0: Oh yeah, Super Monkey Ball. Yeah, I wanted to make sure and mention that was another franchise that started in GameCube it was yeah Super Monkey Ball, uh, one and two. Like we played the shit out of both of those, but yeah. But two was. Two was the one that had uh, Doctor Badboon. <laughs> it was the main yeah, man. They had a story mode. They were like, "All right, well, I guess maybe we should try a story mode." The second version, because people liked the first version selection the story Sorry? mode was silly, but it was so fun because. What was it? it uh, you know, a. Created... What did? Do you remember like what he turned? Uh, he basically turned the taste of bananas into in, into what? Like uh, I forget what it was. It was hilarious. Like he made them taste like uh, I forget no, I what it was. Boy. You remember like the main what the story of it was? Like Doctor yeah, Boone had no, yeah. made this machine that basically makes bananas taste like socks or something like that. It was like some sort of ridiculous taste that it, that it ends up being. But um, yeah, but uh I, I remember you and me like running Super Monkey Ball one, and like just playing through some of the levels. Me like, uh eh, you know, it's okay. But then when we were in Kentucky at a different time, playing it, playing with, uh, with my friend, with our friend, uh, Christina and Brian and them and us playing like the bowling mode and the monkey target. And that's where we found out like that was where the greatness was in it, you know, was the mini games, which we didn't, I guess we yeah. didn't fully explore, but I remember like us playing the bowling game and being like, that was the best, that was the best bowling game at the time, you know? before, like wee Bowling and all that. But it was, yeah, it was super solid. And I think the first one more than the second one, because the second one, they changed it up to where all the different characters had different, different ways that they bowled. I kind of liked it where they all had the same thing in the first one.
1: Because you would figure out, like, you know, obviously there is the best monkey to choose for... The bully, which was Bon Bon, right?
0: What's his name? Gon Gon? Gon yeah, Gon. Gon was the big dude and the second one that was powerful. But Ai Ai and Mimi were the ones that were like middle way, that like played the same way as the first one. And then Baby ended up being the one that was like slower and weaker than the others. Curry, it's curry. Now I remember. Oh, they made bananas yeah. taste like curry? I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Yeah, no, I think I think you might be right. No, that sounds that sounds like what what it would be, you know. Bad and those cinnamon roll ears that I want to eat. Well, yeah, they they've always cinnamon roll ears. But yeah, those yeah those levels were insanely hard, and yeah they they were, and there was like more of them in the second one. The game was
1: just chock
0: full of stuff to unlock, and uh, a lot of fun to be had playing
1: the multiplayer, and that a lot of replayability view. and all that. The monkey the monkey target was great. Because Play with just one
0: monkey, or you could, like, do formations. Oh, yeah, yeah. Several of your balls onto a target at once, and that was really fun because you would change their formation depending on the target you were leaning on. You know, they need to all be in a straight line, or they need to be spread out. Oh, sure. Or, like, kind of a flying V format.
1: Change their formation as you landed to try to maximize your points and your multipliers. Well, you got the multipliers, and you collected those floating in the air. That game was great. I, I played it a lot. Like when I wasn't playing
0: with friends, like I would be trying to get better at it. Playing it by myself. Well, I remember. I remember uh, on the subject of the monkey target. Like, yeah, if you played it a lot, you would. There were a lot of secrets and stuff that you could find in there. Or like you would land, and I remember the same thing with Christina and Brian when we were playing this. Like, uh yeah, they would—they knew like different parts where you could land, and I'd be like, "Oh, well, I'll try this the next time," or you would do the other thing, or yeah, or like with Monkey Ball too, with the formation, you could have them all like one will drop, and the other ones will like bounce out from there, and you try to hit the middle. There's a lot of cool strategy to it, you know. So the type of thing I hadn't hadn't played with before. Then we should probably mention Eternal Darkness because. Yeah, Eternal Darkness, yeah. Well, of course, yeah. Eternal Darkness was such a, yeah, that was a different game. It was like, uh, I mean, it was around the time of, like, you know, this big thing of, like, um, survival horror games being big and whatnot, you know. Um, And, uh, yeah, it was, like, basically kind of one-upping Resident Evil. And Eternal Darkness is a game that I haven't really, I haven't played another game like that. I don't think ever. You know, or the way, you, and it was weird. Like you, you call it tedious to a point because you would play through like the same levels over and over and over again with different people at different times, but things would change. And the insanity meter was like the coolest fucking thing ever. And that's another game I played through that four times to get all of the end because get all of the endings because there's like there's like four different endings. Like you play it through all the different sides, and then you get the fourth one with all of them dead. But um. But yeah, like I, and, and when I, and when I was like towards the third and fourth playthrough of it, I would just let my sanity meter go just be like empty the whole time just because I wanted to see all the effects. Because they were so cool and I was like, I want to see what's next on it. And I remember like the stuff of them like muting the TV or like, or like where it like, or it would like delete your game and I would, I would freak out about that or where like you would accidentally die. Or they'd be like, oh this is, the game's over, it's continued in Eternal Darkness too. There's just a lot of cool, uh, you know, creative stuff in that game.
1: One of the best things about that game, and you know, obviously, spoiler alert: this game's been out for a while by now. But uh, I love that you would play through a level and you would put like a lot of time into it. You know, avoiding dying, you get really far into it, and then at the end of it,
0: and then you get killed in the end. <laughs> you just get killed. You're just dead, like in a story mode at the end. Like you, you enter a cutscene. Yeah. You get killed Charlemagne. <laughs> what the, like two two different levels on that but you start off with uh was is uh, we used to call him pious Andro- androgynous but that's not his name uh, but <laughs> but the very first level the very first level of it you start off as the guy who becomes the ultimate villain of the whole game which that's fucking awesome and uh that's and and there's also another level where you pay it where you play as like the squire of Pi- of um Charlemagne or whatever. That which he ends up becoming a boss for a later level. Like, you basically end with yourself becoming a zombie, or or dead-eyed, or whatever you want to call it, that. And, then, and then later you have to fight that, which I thought was pretty awesome. Like, it's basically, like, you get to that part, once you play through that level again that you played before, you run into your character at the end, trying to kill you, like, now that he's gone to the other side, which is awesome. Like, they did all this really cool stuff. And it was, based around the, um, it was based around the main character, the girl, like, reading through all these, like, historical documents about her family and whatnot. And it ends up, like, in the end, being her, like, going to those places in the very, very end of it. But uh, there were some really cool, like, scare factors in that, too. Like, you just looking through the house to find the different part of the book which will, you know, let you flash back to whatever. But yeah, that game was that game was amazing. Like that was a. I know they had a Kickstarter for a second for Eternal Darkness too, but I guess it was too like, I don't know. I guess it was like too on the down low. Like not enough people had uh, had played it or had enough excitement about a sequel to it. But I would really like that they would. I mean, what was the last? It uh, was the last Silicon Knights game they make. They made like Two Human on three sixty, which I don't think uh, anybody. I don't think that one did very well, but. It's a shame. It was a. It was a good game. It was, and it was
1: unlike anything you could play on another console. And it was great that it was on the GameCube because it's like, no, this isn't a kids game. Check this shit out. This is a, it's a scary ass game based on Lovecraftian like writings. Like, what other RPG or not RPG? What other, like survival horror game had like all those direct references to like Lovecraftian, like the. <laughs> Like it's just like a very visceral sort of like reanimated corpses, like in the most like gross way. That that's what that game was. Like you were just dealing with a lot of like reanimated dead bodies. Uh, I don't know if they were necessarily considered zombies in the game. But they were kind of zombies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they actually had a term for them. But you could also target different parts of the bodies. Do you remember that? You could like cut the legs yeah. off, or the head, or the arms. Like, because you could move, like, you could kind of target a different part and use your sword, or there were guns later towards the end, where you could shoot different parts of them off, but that was pretty rad. Yeah, there were guns.
1: Later on in the game, like, obviously you didn't, you didn't have a gun when you went back in. Yeah, obviously you didn't have a gun when you were in, like, Roman times or whatever,
0: but... But later, but I like that they were, like, as they are like, a, you know, excavator guys or whatever that came down later, and, like because i remember there was like that one level i think that you went through with with bias whatever you go through there later and you do have like a machine gun at one point but also another thing another cool thing about that was uh, different characters could run like at diff- like at different speeds and like because of their like how fit they were do you remember that because there was, like the dancer girl that you played at that could like run forever and there's like bigger guys that would get like Winded, like all the the meters would were at different sizes, like depending on who the character was, which I thought was really cool. Also, as another like,
1: some of them are obviously more mentally prepared to handle insanity a little better.
0: Yeah, one one had some of them had like high, higher sanity meters versus others had shorter ones, and like ones that were more muscular would have like higher life meters or would, would be able to sprint for longer, like depending on how fit the character was. I thought that was really cool. Like, that was another cool, like, addition to it. then I did love
1: the magic system in that game because you would find, uh, essentially, formulas to build your spells with your runes. I think they were
0: called runes. Yeah, but you could, like, rearrange uh, them also. But you could, like... Yeah, you could just build them yourself, and you wouldn't know what the spell did. It wouldn't tell you a name for it, but... Oh, sure. Yeah. So you could experiment with it.
1: It was really cool when you started to be able to control... You know, you could summon whatever enemy you wanted to like help you fight. That was pretty fun.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. You could use yeah. You could have them be like uh, familiars or whatever. Just pretty rad. Do you still do you still have that? Do you still have Eternal Darkness? I do. Yeah, I uh, I lent mine to a to a friend, and I never and it and didn't get it back.
1: I bought it uh, five or six years ago at GameStop or something. So I just. Been sitting on a used copy. I, I don't. I think I sold my original copy years ago.
0: Yeah, I, I lent mine, and I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know how rare it is now. I haven't looked into it, but I'd like to have it again. But I traded. I traded it to a friend for something which is also dear to my heart. So it's okay. But um, basically, this this girl that I met on a shoot. I we did this uh, independent horror movie together, and uh, I traded her uh, Eternal Darkness for the box set of all the original. 30s Frankenstein movies, so I was okay with her keeping Eternal Darkness for that, because you know, The Bride of Frankenstein is one of my favorite movies ever, so I was was okay with keeping the Frankenstein box set, but still, I missed Eternal Darkness. I haven't played it in a while. Wouldn't mind playing through it again. But uh, one, actually, speaking of favorite GameCube games, which I should, I should like, you know, smack myself in the face for forgetting it, but Fucking Metroid Prime One, I mean, Scratch Wind Waker. I would put Metroid Prime down as my favorite GameCube game. Hands down.
1: I never beat that game. I got pretty far into it, but that game was
0: hard. You never beat Prime? You never beat the first Prime?
1: Man, the controls were great, but they really, like, they implemented everything on the GameCube controller, so, like, I just remember, like, you'd have to be holding one button down, like, while you're strafing with another, and, like, you know, all this other shit. But it was fun, like. Really.
0: Yeah, I remember uh, on the subject of that, like, uh, I remember, yeah, in that time there was a lot of, because there were like, what, like ten buttons or whatever for, for that, give or take, but uh, I remember playing um, Star Wars Bounty Hunter. It was the the, the game about, like, Jango Fett and how he became a clone trooper or whatever, or how he became the... Uh, what they made the clone troopers from, but I remember playing that game and holding down like almost every button on the GameCube controller, and then and then using my nose to like move the C stick because like I couldn't hit anything else, you know. But yeah, there was a lot, there were a lot of games like that where you had to push all the buttons. But Metroid Prime One, like what a I mean, it had been like what like nine ten years since like the last Metroid game had come out because I think like Super Metroid was what like ninety three, and I think. Uh, uh, 19- Ninety four, and uh, I mean, I want to say that Metroid Prime was like two thousand two or two thousand three, but still, like that was such a that, I mean, that was such an amazing game. Like I, I loved the shit out of it, and I.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, there were a lot of like, there's a lot of skepticism because.
0: Well, because of it would be in a three D game. It had never been never been that before.
1: And they and they were very like adamant. Like this is not a first person shooter. This is a first person adventure. I remember
0: yeah, that no, I remember very very them calling characters. that. And they, but they're correct. It's not. It was very much about like it was more cerebral, like more like puzzle based stuff and about exploring. And and from what I read, uh, Miyamoto was the one who pushed that. Where like they, they were originally going to try to do a third person thing. And he's like, no. He's like, no. Put it in the helmet. Make it first person. It's easier to see stuff and. You know, and be able to like look in different directions.
1: And how cool was it to uh, fire your uh, charge beam off in the corner and see Samus's face in the visor? That was so cool.
0: Oh yeah, the reflection. Yeah, I was very impressed by the reflection.
1: And her eyes would be moving around like it wasn't a static like image. You know, it was like
0: oh sure yeah she'd be blinking or looking at one thing or another. And there were also like certain reflective surfaces in the game where you could see you could see your body running around. You could like see the whole suit. And I remember thinking that it was like, oh, it's a first-person thing. I'm not going to feel like Samus. But there was, like, they did so many little, like, scenes or cut scenes of showing her, like, showing the armor and all that that it didn't really feel like it was totally for first-person. And there were a lot of, like, uh, there were a lot of ball, like, puzzles also. Yeah, and third-person, well, they did third-person Morph Ball. But also, like, every time you saved, it showed, you know, it showed you... And third person. And every time you got on an elevator go to a different part of the game, showed you third person. Like, every time you went to, like, a boss, it showed you. Or, like, when you went to a new level, it showed you, like, looking around the level. So they showed a lot of, like, third person suit stuff. So it didn't really full, see, seem like that much like a first person game. And I feel like they did that really, really well. I also feel like there was platforming elements in it,
1: but they, that translated really well, surprisingly, for being a first person.
0: Yeah, no, there You're was... jumping around in first person... Yeah, there worked, was a lot of them, they didn't work really well. and I think the space jump was even in there, which was uh, which was something that I didn't think would ever work in a in a first person game. The space jump was like the jump where you could, you know, jump extra times. Like it was on a, I believe it was in a Metroid two and three. It was on Super Metroid and and the Game Boy one, but um, they did it was worked really well for that. But yeah, there was a lot of cool platforming stuff. But it actually felt like you would land it. And I didn't, you know, I didn't miss much jumps, you know. I actually felt like it kind of, it felt right, you know. And you could feel the, you could hear the, like, the, the, the jets, you know, on different parts. And it was cool. To- totally rad. But yeah, that's, uh, I don't know, that would be a toss-up yeah, for me. a lot of good games. We, didn't, we didn't even mention it. We don't have dude.
1: Don't forget a thousand-year door, which
0: we've talked about. Yeah, we we talked about that last episode. But yeah, Paper Mario, Thousand Year Door, that was a really, really good game. On the RPG front, like I said, there was a ton of good RPGs on there, and that one was... That one was a fucking great RPG. And Super Paper Mario was originally going to be a GameCube game, but it was switched over to the other thing. Uh, I I wanted to mention, like, the subject of Donkey Kong. Because GameCube was... It was, like, post-Donkey Kong 64... So the 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 uh, Donkey Kong stuff in um, on the cube was like uh, Donkey Kong 1 and 2 and Donkey Kong Jungle Beat which is like a crazy crazy game with a you know a side scroller played with bongos which was a very interesting idea.
1: Didn't that team end up being the same team that made it in Mario Galaxy?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think it was the EAD team that ended up doing that. But it was cool. Oh, and another thing, Another thing I thought of when I was talking about Donkey, Kong. that game was beautiful. Oh, Jungle Beat! Jungle Beat, yeah, Jungle Beat was really cool. There was actually supposed to be there's supposed to be a racing game also that was based off of uh, the conga controller or the uh, bongo controllers, but that ended up being a Wii game later, and I guess it didn't work as well. Did you see any of that the uh, the Donkey Kong Bongo Racing or whatever it was called? Do you ever see videos of that? Yeah, racer. Was the Barrel Racer? I do. Yeah, because that game looked really cool. Like I was pumped about it, but I guess it ended up not working that well with the uh, motion controls. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember much about it. I must not have played it, but I do remember the. No, I, uh, I, never, I never, I didn't play it either. I just remember watching. The- I just remember watching videos of it, and I thought it looked cool. I thought it looked cool as a bongo game, but unfortunately, there wasn't the option to play it with the bongos on the on the Wii. You had to play with emotion. I guess emotion didn't work that well. I wanted to. Re- I wanted to just reminisce on a game that a lot of people don't like. But when I was thinking about Donkey Kong, I forgot about uh, Star Fox Adventures. Remember that game as an early GameCube title and the last rare title for Nintendo, pretty much. I don't know if they sold them after that, but yeah, I remember playing that game. Well, I remember playing that game with you and uh, and uh, you getting frustrated about just the design of it and like the fre- the fetch quests. We were like, so like so I so I need to build this bridge of, of this like gap that I can cross, that I that I could that I can cross. Like it's like only so big. You could jump across it, but in this particular instant, you have to you have to grab these things to build this bridge to go across a small gap. I remember that as a part of it. But yeah, Star Fox Adventures, Death of Rare for Nintendo, pretty much there.
1: It was a pretty game, and uh, it did have the one dude that was like. Do you like games? Do you like to play games?
0: Yeah, that
1: guy. Do you like to play games?
0: Yeah, the British dinosaurs and all that. Like it was yeah. Prince Tricky. It was an interesting thing because uh, Eternal Darkness too. Like they both were developed as uh, 64 games originally. Like as uh, I remember looking at videos of um, Dinosaur dinosaur planet. dinosaur planet and Eternal Darkness was also was also a 64 game. But yeah, they both started as 64 games. And I guess Nintendo did what they do with most of their games. They did it for a lot of their Super Nintendo games as well, where they're like, here's this new idea that we're not sure if anybody's going to be into or not, so we're going to throw some characters on it that will help it sell, you know. I mean, that's what happened with Mario 2, like Doki Doki Panic, getting turned into some Mario Bros. 2. That was why it's so much different. Um, But, yeah, it's a similar thing where they're like, where they were like, uh, yeah, Touch touch Attack also. And and like... uh, like, uh, the Kirby golf game, like, that wasn't a Kirby thing. They just threw Kirby on that, like, in hopes to sell. Actually, a lot of Kirby stuff comes from other, you know, comes from, like, different like different ideas that they put him on there to sell it. But same thing, like, Rare was doing this game. They're like, well, you know, he kind of looks like Star Fox. Why don't we make it a Star Fox game? And then it became this completely different thing. That we didn't expect it to be, but I don't know. And that was kind of the end of it. They sold them off to Microsoft after that. And see how and look at how much they've done for them now. Like not a whole lot, really. Well, like Grab by Ghoulies and Cameo, I think, or even Pinata. I don't know. I don't know what they've done since a Rare Re, Rare Replay looks like a great game, but Perfect Dark Zero. Yeah, Perfect Dark Zero also. Yeah, Perfect Dark. Well, that was sixty-four, but. But yeah, yeah, the cube. Like I, like I said, I still love the cube. I got a good amount of the games for it still. Soul Calibur two, like that was a fantastic GameCube game with uh, Link as a playable character. I feel like they did.
1: Yeah, Link was a fighter.
0: Yeah, he was a fighter. There were there were a lot of games for GameCube where they where they did a thing where they stuck Nintendo characters in there. Do you remember that? There was there was NBA Street Three, which had uh, Mario, Luigi, and Peach as playable characters. There was a Fight Night Round Two, which had Little Mac in it as a playable character, and the entire Super Punch Out game included on it. It's crazy, right? You know, it's like a lot of EA stuff. Fight we're trying to throw. Yeah, no, Super Punch Out was on it. Like the, the Super Nintendo game was on there, and Little Mac was a playable character in Fight Night Round Two for GameCube, which is cool. I mean, but and also like what I don't what I don't want to forget to mention is uh. The, uh, the the Mario sports games. There were a bunch of those for GameCube. Uh, Super Mario Strikers. There was the um, the Mario Baseball game. It's not Sluggers. Sluggers was the Wii version. I'm trying to remember, I made I made it made a, made a note of it. It was uh, su- uh, Mario Superstar Baseball was the GameCube game, and Super Mario Strikers. Yeah, Superstar Baseball and Mario Super Mario Strikers was the uh, soccer game. And there was also, well, there was a version, was it Power Tennis? It was a tennis one also, but they had already done that for 64. But it got into some other, like, sports that it hadn't done yet. And uh, another game that I would put in there as my, like, top five favorite GameCube games, which we haven't mentioned yet, Animal Crossing. The very first Animal Crossing game was on GameCube, which was always, also developed as an N64 game. That was, like, our
1: earliest experience with the... Uh getting nes games on our gamecube
0: yeah it was the uh it was the virtual console before the virtual console which yeah that was like uh
1: it was literally a virtual console in the game that you played
0: until they realized that they could make money off of it pretty much like it was a brilliant idea until they're like wait hold on wait a minute We could sell all these individually, you know?
1: The best game, I think, was,
0: what, Wario's
1: Woods that you could get?
0: Well, supposedly Legend of Zelda was in there, too, but I I didn't find it. But I think it's actually in there. Because I think there's, like, 20-some games, right, available for that that you can find? I believe so. I think you can get, like, 25.
1: But there was something about your uh, memory card that you got with the game that had something to do with what games you...
0: Right? Yeah, yeah, it the it came with a memory card because the game takes up the entirety of a memory card. And uh and yeah, when you when you start the game, you get a letter from Nintendo that that gives you like a game. Like they send you a game in the mail. And there's ways to unlock other games within within the game. But I think it's possible to get like 20 some in the end. But that was pretty cool cuz it's like, yeah, you get a random game. And that was like a I don't know that was such that was just strange game or it was a pretty ballsy attempt I guess at trying to sell Animal Crossing to a to a Western audience but
1: I played the shit out of it
0: oh I played the shit out of it too we both did like I remember when we got it and it was like uh, it was just like nothing I had ever played before and it was like so bizarre and like so Japanese and so weird but like so cool and like it was like it was like a multiplayer game that wasn't multiplayer. You know how you could like travel from like one town to another town and all that, and like you could send letters to the people that they would reference later. From it was just, I don't know, it was just so interesting the way it worked. And I had never played anything like that. I was just kind of, I was kind of blown away by that. I was even, I even wrote like a, I even I even sort of sort of wrote like a pitch to a horror movie about Animal Crossing. It's called Real Time Prairie. It was about a guy who was like basically consumed by a video game like animal crossing we had to play it every day you know where you basically you could play that game every day for a whole year and only unlock like 10% of it and i was inspired to write you know to write part of a horror movie based on that about a guy who was basically taken over by animal crossing we're like because i remember like when you stopped playing the game there would be like weeds that would show up in your town it was something similar to that where like he stops playing the game and all of a sudden his, you know, people from the game start showing up in his real life and visiting his house and all that. You know, it's just it's such such a crazy cool game, and I just never seen anything like that. You know,
1: I do remember in that game. Uh, so you would do to visit each other's town, you would have to have your friend bring their memory card over and plug it into the second port. And uh, what sucked about it, we figured out pretty quickly, was that uh, every time. A friend visited your town. You would lose somebody, and it was always the person I liked the best.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sucked. Yeah, it would be like, oh, Cube, where would you go? Or like, uh, or Keaton, or like, yeah, whichever. I mean, there was there was a lot of cool ones, but yeah, you would you would lose the ones that you liked the best would go to the other town.
1: But there was always Capin, and Capin was my favorite.
0: Yeah, Capin's cool. I uh, on the I I just uh, my girlfriend bought me. Had bought me a couple of amiibos in the past weeks, and uh, she bought me Mr. Rossetti, was, uh, was one of it was, uh, was the one of the well, I mean of the um, Animal Crossing amiibos. The three that I really wanted more than anybody else was KK uh, Slider, Rossetti, and Cappin were the ones were the ones that I wanted more than anything, you know. Yeah. And KK Slider is sold in a three pack with with two characters that I don't really care that much about but uh but yeah cat right? Yeah so like a... No, I don't think it's Mabel. It's the it's the two like uh llama-looking people that like make the patterns in the 3DS one. Oh, okay. I don't know. I played yeah, I played like I played Animal Crossing so much like that that first one. I played that like I mean, I'd have to say like maybe like five days a week, maybe six days a week. Like that game like consumed me big time. And even when I would like miss a couple days, I would change the clock back to the day, so I so I would basically have it consistently that I played every single day. And uh yeah, like I I played so much out of that game that when like the DS Animal Crossing came out, I just didn't I didn't want to get into it again because I had put like so much time into the GameCube one, where I just couldn't do it. So I took a break for a minute, but then when the but when but then when the uh, the when the New Leaf one came out, it was like the first one that I felt was like felt like the GameCube one. Like that's why I got into it again, you know, because the had all the built-in online functionality. It did, but then it had like Cappin was in there, and they had like the Game Boy Advance Island, but it wasn't the Game Boy Advance Island. But it felt like the GameCube one, you know. It kind of brought 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 me back to that. So that's why I got it. That's why I got into the New Leaf, which I think New Leaf is the best one out of all of them but yeah there's there's just a lot of cool stuff happened that started with that system you know animal crossing there's like five of them now that was the first one on that you know yeah. and we haven't and we haven't even talked about super mario sunshine nintendo's like basically them getting into uh voice acting right pretty much like them delving into a uh, voiceover that was actually fully voiced and it was really weird and didn't really work right, you know? I mean, it ends with Bowser, like, having a conversation with his son about how much it sucks getting beat by Mario all the time. You know, after you fight Bowser in a hot tub. That's just a strange game, you know? Just uh, such a weird...
1: Yeah, he was he was just on vacation and you kind of, like, get in his, like, business pretty much.
0: Yeah, right? But it was like a, I mean, I remember, like... I mean, Peach talked in it, like, the, the Flood... His, like, water pack talks also. You know, like, he's in.
1: Like the Navi. Yeah, he's like the Navi. He's, like, letting you know what you need to do.
0: But he, like, talks to you, like, actually, you know, he's like Mario. Like, he actually, like, speak Mario. You know, like, they actually recorded voices for all of it. And there's, like, the part where he goes to court, like, all that's voiced. You know, I mean, just they, you know, that was actually full voice acting for that game. And that's probably why they don't do it anymore. And when people are like, oh yeah, there should be a voice in Zelda, I'm like, look at Mario Sunshine, that's basically what it was, you know, that's what we got for that, they didn't return to it, so I'm okay with it not being on there. Yeah, I think
1: if I remember correctly, it was like, they're all riding on a plane and Mario's just thinking about spaghetti and pasta or whatever.
0: (laughs) Probably. He's
1: got like a word, or you know, a balloon, a thought balloon coming out of his head. Yeah, he's
0: thinking about something... And then like It was very
1: it was a very strange intro, like there's a lot of awkward silence between people talking and like just kinda like
0: uh Yeah, and they're and they're like and they're like, And you're going to uh, Island Delfino, blah blah you know, like it's it was weird. It had some really weird voiceover in it. Or a weird voice recording in it. Yeah, that game was
1: that was a strange game. I I'm sure they're gonna remake it at some point, but it won't be on the current hardware.
0: Yeah, I mean, they need to. They basically need to have GameCube controllers for it because it uses the analog triggers, which which I like. But yeah, they that's what they need for that type of thing. Did you ever? Uh, did Double you ever, Dash. Double Dash. Yeah, that was an interesting departure. I don't know that 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 one kind of got got a lot of flack when it came out. But same thing. Like people didn't like it when it came out, but then later they're like, "Oh no, it's good." Did you ever play, uh speaking of GameCube games, you didn't ever play Air Ride, did you? Kirby's Air Ride? I did not. Because that game's supposed to be really good, too. Like, it's another how, like, Laboratory Sakurai, like, feels a lot like uh, Smash Bros. But that's one I'd really like to get a hold of. But that game's expensive. Like, a lot of GameCube games are expensive to get. Like, the, um... Oh, yeah, GameCube was also the first uh, the first Fire Emblem release. Which we were talking about maybe having a Fire Emblem episode, but yeah, Fire Emblem. What uh, was a uh, Path of Radiance, right? Was the first one I think, and then Radiant Dawn was the Wii, but it was the first, yeah, it was the first console, well, first American console Fire Emblem release was the GameCube one, which I dug. I played played through most of it, but then once I got to the end, I realized that I didn't build up the characters the way I should have, so I didn't. Fully beat it, you know. You know, one game I always wanted to play that I never did was Odama. Odama, yeah, that game looked insane. I was to try that game. Yeah, with the uh, with the yeah with the uh, microphone that you stick to the GameCube controller. Yeah, I wonder. It was I wonder. Like
1: Real time strategy combined with
0: pinball. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a pinball game. Yeah, it was like some sort of weird pinball, like feudal Japanese time thing. Yeah, I wonder... I should look on Amazon and see how much that game's going for because I, I would love to just, like, get into Odama. Because, yeah, it was, when it came out, it was, like, 60 bucks, and I didn't want to get it. But if I could find it for, like, 10 or 15 or something, it'd be interesting to delve into it and just see, see where it's at. Do you have the GameCube microphone on you? I have the one that came with the Mario Party series. Because they were also... Right. It was there were four yeah there were four Mario Party games for GameCube also and then and then one of them one of them shipped with a yeah because it was uh yeah four five six and seven were all on GameCube and also like on the launch they had sequels to Wave Race and ten eighty and ten eighty snowboarding so there was just like so many games on this I don't know if you ever played it but the uh, there's the Chibi Robo game. Just the start of Chibi Robo. I didn't play any of the other ones, but I really dug the GameCube version. I think one of my only—I think like my only review that I did on a show like this when I used to have an internet show called Negative World—that's the only review I did was of a Chibi Robo on GameCube. But I dug it. It was like very Japanese, very quirky, and like super cool. Yeah, GameCube actually had a pretty extensive library. Do so you think the Swan Song most likely? Say it was, uh, Twilight Princess, right? Twilight Princess, yeah. It came out on GameCube. Like, so there were there were two console Zelda games released on Cube. Yeah, that was the well, that was the first time yeah, they've it done that since. Incredible. That was the first time they've done that since. Uh, well, well, they did it on sixty four, but yeah, NES and sixty four both had two Zelda games per per system. You know, I guess the Game Boy
1: had three. If you want to count Game Boy Color or, uh, yeah, the Oracle games.
0: Yeah, but I mean, well, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, there was Game Boy, there was Link's Awakening and then Oracle Ages and Seasons. But still, yeah, that was... Uh,
1: I played through Twilight Princess on GameCube. That's how I played that game. I, I beat it. I played all the way through it. So that's my experience with Twilight Princess was the GameCube version.
0: I wish I wish I would have played that version, actually. I played it on Wii... But uh, the GameCube one ended up being like the uh, more sought after version, or sought after version after that, and uh, it was and it was like uh, sixty, seventy dollars until they announced like the HD release on Wii U, and now it's like twenty or thirty online. But yeah, I always wanted to play the GameCube one, and I guess that's basically why a big reason why I'm getting the Wii U version. It's just to play through that side of it because everything's flipped, so it's like a different experience, you know. But uh, for you who played through the GameCube version. You could play the uh, Wii U Hero mode, which is actually the Wii version of it, without the motion controls. So everything will be flipped.
1: And there's less Tears of Light this time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> which, uh, yeah. That was uh, that was an interesting game. That's
1: been confirmed that there's less Tears of Light across the board.
0: Sure. Yeah. It's an interesting game. I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I'd like to... I enjoyed it at the time, but I only played it through through it one time, and I played through Wind Waker multiple times, and Majora's Mask multiple times, and Ocarina of Time like a bunch of times. So I just like to re-experience it again.
1: Skyward Sword, not. Played it twice. You
0: didn't play it twice? No, I've,
1: I've never even beaten Skyward Sword. I got to the final boss and got frustrated by the motion controls.
0: I like Skyward Sword a lot, but I didn't... Yeah, I didn't have problems with it, but I guess a lot of people did. But yeah, I dug... I don't know. I dug that. Did you beat the final boss? Yeah, I did. I beat it, and I went through the boss rush mode also to get the shield. I think I played through, like, half of it on the uh, second quest or whatever.
1: But I think Wind Waker was the last Zelda game that was released where it's just, like, pure fun. I don't know. Yeah, I know there was a big fetch quest at the end, and they sort of, like truncated that for the re-release, but...
0: Yeah, they made it a little easier.
1: Even in spite of that, like, that's a game I can go back to and play and have a, a blast, and like, going back to either Twilight Princess or uh, Skyward Sword, I, there's just some, like, busy work in there that I don't like so much.
0: Sure. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, no, Skyward Sword definitely had, like, the dowsing and, like, the, the like, music... Minigame type thing on there that was. Yeah, they're both kind of like, eh, I just want to get through this to the next part, you know? I, I, I might have mentioned this before in the other one, but what I really, really wanted for, for like a Zelda Wii U game was a sequel to Wind Waker. And I know there were the DS ones, but I wanted like one that was like big, you know, bigger, like a lot more land, like you have to pull the sword out of Ganondorf's head to fight the new villain and all that. So you have to awaken Ganon. Maybe Ganon's on your side for a minute, but you got to fight him later. Like it would just—it seems like it'd be a really cool game, you know, to return to that, like on a full HD level, where you can like make it bigger and like make it more detailed, but still like beautiful and like carto- and like you know, cartoony and all that and artistic.
1: Or maybe you pull the sword out of Ganon's head to defeat this enemy, and you do, but then Ganon becomes like even more powerful than before. He becomes like. Oh shit, I shouldn't have pulled that sword out. Sort of.
0: Yeah, like that type of thing where you like you have to pull it out to have the ultimate sword, but then you're still you still have this thing you have to deal with, you know, whether with the guy or after, you know, in, in some capacity. But yeah, I can uh oh uh another thing, uh there's just so many GameCube things. Like we could keep doing this for however long. But uh you remember Battalion Wars, right? The uh third person art the third person real-time strategy game as a sequel to advance wars like that was another interesting thing for that because uh, all of those you know all of those games were always based off of the um, or were titled after the system that they came out on so like in japan there's like famicom wars and like super famicom wars and all that which we didn't get until later but yeah advance wars like game boy advance wars so it should have been called like gamecube wars but I guess they thought that that wouldn't translate that well here, so they made it battalion wars. But that was an interesting game as well. Like that kind of came out of the no out of nowhere. I thought, but I ended up really digging it.
1: Well, you didn't mention the collections. There are collections that were released for GameCube.
0: Yeah, that was the beginning of that where they started doing the Mega Man collections, like uh, Mega Man X Select collections. Like I have a bunch of Sonic collections and like arcade collections, and uh... oh yeah, and the um, we didn't mention the uh, Zelda collection that came out. Which I guess was it you could buy a GameCube that came with it, or you could register games on wasn't quite Nintendo Club yet, but it was it was close to that. Like they had an online service that you could register games through, and you could also get it through Nintendo Power, which I think that was how you got it, right? Yeah,
1: I bought a year subscription to Nintendo Power and got it as I think you could pick like a couple different like gifts, and that's the one I chose, which is why I bought it in the first place because I wanted that disc. I wish I still had it.
0: Yeah, I, I sold my I sold mine too, which is unfortunate, cuz it was really cool and I think it's probably kind of a bitch to get back now, but but yeah, it had like a had like um Ocarina of Time, Master Quest, Majora's Mask, Zelda 1 and Zelda 2. That was like the first time I tried to play through Zelda 2 again was with that one and still sucked at it. But um what was it the uh, uh Wind Waker had the um pre-sale bonus? Where they gave you the um, Ocarina of Time and the uh, and the um, you know the Master, Quest, Master which, Quest, which was part of the 64 DD and all that. It was cool to play through that. Like I remember playing through that before the Wind Waker came out, and I thought it was awesome to like re- reserve a game and get a game for reserving it. It's like here's a free game to play while you're waiting for this game. Like that's awesome. You should always do that. You know, you should always, like I said before about the uh, eShop and like the virtual console. They should have. They should go back to what they were doing with that. It would be like, oh hey, you reserve, you know, you, you like, you pre-ordered uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X. Here's Xenoblade Chronicles One. You can play this while you're waiting for this one. You know, they should do that for every game. Unfortunately, they don't. But that was maybe that didn't work that well for Wind Waker. But that was that was a great idea. You know, here play Ocarina of Time again, or play this version of it that, that wasn't available here in America, the Japanese version. Play this one. You know, the 64 disk drive version. That's pretty rad. Well, I am happy to say I do
1: own that disc. I have that one uh, with Master Quests.
0: Yeah, I sold that one too, unfortunately. But I wish I, I, wish I did. But the um, the Ocarina of Time on on 3ds, it has like a second quest. Like if you start it again after you beat it, Master Quest is on there also, which is pretty rad. Like under the same, you know, with the better graphics and all that on three on 3ds. So it's cool that they included that. So I do have. I do have that version in some capacity. Yeah. But, yeah, is there, uh, is there anything that we've missed on the GameCube? We've just kind of, like, we've just kind of gone, like, full-on nostalgia and just talked about, like, all the stuff we love for it. But I'm trying to think if there's any other games. But, yeah, there's, like, so much there was so much good stuff on it. So, I, you know, I'd hate to be, like, to be, like, tomorrow, like, oh, shit, I forgot a certain thing, you know.
1: Well, we mentioned a lot of games we didn't really talk about, you know, like Killer7, which is a completely unique game. Uh.
0: Killer, Killer 7 was such a weird game, but I fucking loved the shit out of it. I just loved how bizarre it was, you know. And I played through it. I did, like, I played through Killer 7 and Killer 8. Well, Killer 8 was the second, it was, like, the second quest of it to a point. But, yeah, I liked that game, and I just liked how weird and creepy it was. And then later, there was, like, No More Heroes on Wii, which was fun, but it didn't have the creepiness of that game, I don't think. It just had a really nice, like, mood to it. And Beautiful Joe... It was like an amazing like comic style, like game that we had never seen before. You know, and I, I remember trying to describe that to a uh, to a GameStop employee being like, Oh yeah, beautiful Joe They're like, Yeah, what is that? I'm like, Well, you know, it's like this he's like this superhero and he can like slow down time and like punch bullets back at people and like and, and, like and like fast forward time and they're like, uh that sounds like well they said it sound like blinks or like some three sixty game and I'm like no oh, no it's not like that though it's like this two d thing but it's just trying kind of funny trying to explain like something like that to somebody who hadn't heard of it or like didn't know what it was. I haven't tried to get a hold of
1: Beautiful Joe. I wonder if that's an expensive game now. If it's a rare
0: game, I still I think I, I still have Beautiful Joe one and two and uh, the th- the the DS Beautiful Joe game was really awesome too. Like the one that actually used like had like 3D on both screens for DS like that game was really cool. I forget what it was called. It was like some you know, some like a uh, thing of DS, you know like there was like um Dawn of Sorrow like it was like that type of thing. It was called like Beautiful Joe Double whatever, you know, like but it used the D and the S.
1: Double Sausage or something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it was Double Sausage. But yeah, it was it was it was something like that. But yeah, no those those games were really those games were really really cool.
1: Wasn't the last F Zero game released on GameCube?
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, no, yeah, I can't believe I forgot about uh the fucking F Zero GX. Yeah, that game was so good. That was like uh, that's I mean I love F Zero, and I really really love the Super Nintendo one. So it's kind of like that one and the GameCube one, or like they kind of go back and forth on which one's my favorite. But yeah, they gave like Sega did it. Gave like a full. There was like a full on uh, story mode in this one, insanely hard. But like, you could build your build your own like racers, and it looks gorgeous. Like I think is that's one I think will stand the test of time too. Like I still still I think it still looks great like today's by by today's standards. I feel like it was a lot ahead ahead of its time graphically. But yeah, that was that was a great game.
1: And then uh Star Fox Assault wasn't that on GameCube originally?
0: Yeah. Well, no. I don't think Star Fox Assault was. Well, that was uh, that. Uh, yes, that was when that was like kind of the beginning of Nintendo, like you know, kind of handing off franchises to other companies. Because Star Fox Assault was a Namco game, I believe, and Namco developed that. And there was like some yeah. some third person shooting stuff in there that doesn't really work that well. But uh but the flying stuff is okay. It was kind of like it's kind of the death of Star Fox because it was Star Fox Assault. And then, you know, and then Star Fox Command on DS, which is a complete departure. But then you didn't see it again after that until, you know, S- Star Fox Zero, which is ho- hopefully is good. I hope it's good. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it too. But I hope it's good. Well, I will see. I'll read some reviews before it comes out. But you know,
1: I'm sure we're going to realize we forgot some games. Like the GameCube was chock full of awesome software.
0: Like I said, I'm still I'm still collecting them. You know, I'm still I'm still buying stuff that I missed on it, and I've just you know, I've enjoyed the crap out of it. There were those really good. There was some really good uh, Marvel RPG games, like the X Men games, the X Men Legend games were really good on there, and uh, the Game Boy Player. Like when that came out, that thing was a fantastic yeah, piece cool, piece of hardware. Yeah. I love that because I was like, I can play every game that ever came out like as a handheld for the Game Boy on this. You know, because like. Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Straight Up, like, you can play all of them on there. And I felt, I was like, this is great. Like, I have everything that I need to play every handheld game I ever ever wanted to play on the TV. And it was fantastic. And I would just buy, you know, I would just buy Game Boy Advance games just to play on the TV, you know. I, know, I think another
1: title worth mentioning is the uh, Crystal Chronicles game just because... Oh, Final Fantasy? When Square, when Square came back to Nintendo, like, uh... They released the Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. Sure, and uh, they were starting to re-release games on the Advance, but then they made this new game for the GameCube.
0: Yeah, that was another thing with GameCube was the uh, it was them like using like Game Game Boy controllers, like using Game Boy's as controllers. Which I guess in Japan they probably had more than we did here, but you know, I only knew so people, so many people who had Game Boy Advances because they did the same thing with uh, with uh, the the um, for the Zelda Four Swords Adventure, which was a cool game, but it just, you know, it wasn't really that cool if you didn't have all the GameCubes, or all the Gameboys to play with. And all the cables. Yeah, the cables, yeah, the the uh, yeah, you had to buy the extra cables. But it, I think Pac-Man Verse was like that, too, which I never actually played that game, but that was another uh, GameCube one that had that... Asynchronous gameplay. Yeah, which is an interesting idea, but it's just, you know, it's just like nobody... And after I saw that happening with GameCube, my prediction for the Wii slash Revolution was that it was going to be, you know, that, they were, that their controllers would have screens on them.
1: You were almost right.
0: It, was, it wasn't until Wii U, but that's what I expected, because of just where they were like, oh, yeah, we use the Game Boy and everything. And I'm like, well, the next one's going to have a screen on it. But then it was a whole completely different thing.
1: But it did have a speaker.
0: Well, yeah, it had a speaker, but it wasn't quite the, uh, quite the screen yeah final fantasy crystal chronicles i was like on the same subject of me wanting uh rpgs back on the system i really wanted uh yeah i was like oh cool maybe we can have a full-on final fantasy game and all i got was crystal chronicles which i played but it was just it wasn't quite what i wanted you know it's like a multiplayer game that you can only play with people who have game boy advances and i think i played it a little bit with my roommate at the time but it was like i played it with you a little bit too because, like, yeah, one person had to con- had to carry the crystal, yeah, you did too. But yeah, I feel like you needed, like, four people to, like, make it play the way they want you to want it to play, you know? But it was an interesting idea.
1: And it was Square yeah. coming back to Nintendo.
0: Yeah, which was awesome. And right after they had done Final Fantasy, Adv- or Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. And then they did re-releases of all of those Super Nintendo ones that are fantastic on Game Boy. Hell yeah
1: they are man and I'm collecting those like right now currently. I'm like in the process of collecting those games. All the remakes.
0: Yeah, 4, 5 and 6, I think uh hands down best uh, best RPGs, best Final Fantasy RPGs for sure in my opinion and I think uh actually Do you remember uh do you remember Time Splitters?
1: Yes, Time Splitters is great too, man. It was one of the first first person shooters I remember, like, really getting into cuz the controls were so nice.
0: It was a, I mean it was a return to uh, it was a return to uh, Goldeneye and uh, Perfect Dark of sorts. I should have remembered that earlier when you mentioned Perfect Dark Zero. Cuz yeah the the um the guys who made Time Splitter were ex ex Rare members. Guys who worked on Goldeneye. So it was uh, I remember being pumped about it by hearing that. Yes, yeah, Sp- Time Splitters 2 and 3, both on GameCube and they were both fantastic yeah, games. Played the shit out of those. I really dug them. I liked. I liked how they like sort of like weren't that serious about it, and it was still kind of fun. But the multiplayer was really, really solid on it. Like, it was very reminiscent of like GoldenEye and Perfect Dark. I thought, you know, for like split screen multiplayer, when you could tweak a lot
1: of settings, which was yeah, harkening back to GoldenEye. Like you could affect the speed of play and other things.
0: That- oh, sure, yeah. And there were a lot of there were a lot of different characters you could play as and that type of thing. But that was like sort of another game that GameCube was sort of nerfed on, because like uh, I think like I think like three sixty or no not three sixty I think Xbox and PS two had online capabilities for two and three, but GameCube didn't because of the modem attachment that you had to get for it. But I remember I remember there were hacks for uh, Mario Kart because Mario Kart uh, Double Dash had land play, and there were people who hacked that to make it on online if you had a modem. So I've ever wanting to get one because of that, but I think that was
1: a precursor to the Mario Channel or the Mario Kart Channel. It's like people were making private servers. Oh sure. To keep playing the game, even after the Wii came out, like these servers were still so running, like to play Double Dash online for a while.
0: And if you want to talk about the relevance of the GameCube, um, uh, Evo, you know the big uh, fighting game convention thing, Smash Brothers Melee is still a contender there. Like they use the Smash Brothers Wii U version, but they also have the melee one there as well. So it's lasted lasted the test of time. They still use it in cont- in com- competitive gaming. Melee was a great game, which is pretty awesome. Melee is good. People still swear by it, you know. And I just like that it's still represented in the in Evo, you know, like the professional fighting game championship and all that. But yeah, GameCube, it's a fucking great system. What I mean. a fantastic
1: system. With the Game Boy player, you could play everything.
0: You could, That's you could, you could play every handheld on TV. I wish they would have continued that on for the DS and the 3DS, but they haven't really. Aside from you being able to you buy DS games on the on the Wii U, but there's still only like ten of them. You know, there's not quite enough. I don't think. Not right.
1: yet. We'll see what what else we have coming out on virtual console because we don't know when the new systems coming out just yet.
0: I really hope, yeah, I really hope they rework that controller so we can have some GameCube virtual console stuff on the NX. Because, yeah, I, I lo- love, love me some GameCube. I, uh, yeah, I still, I, I still have a, I mean, I technically have two of them now, but, yeah. Play the shit out of that thing when I can. But, um, that's, that's our, that was our GameCube episode. It was mostly us just uh, oozing over our nostalgia for it, but... It was a good system and we both got that together, and, you know. We we played most of those games together. The one thing I want to mention before we sign out is a uh, do you remember when we both bought Super Mario Sunshine and uh we were in a room, I think at the camp that you were at, and we had two TVs and we played it together simultaneously. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. That was like the best way to play like a single player game with your with your friend, you know. Like you just have two TVs and we could just play it together. Which I thought was amazing.
1: We're still hanging out, but we're playing our game.
0: Yeah, I know it was awesome. That's a cool way to do that. But yeah, GameCube, good shit. Like I love that, love that system. I swear by it a hundred times.
1: Get yourself a GameCube; they're cheap. Or just get a Wii. You can play any Wii, any GameCube game on like.
0: You can, but I had I had some issues with my uh, with my GameCube cards over the Wii. Like the one that I had got corrupted from using it through the Wii. And not all of my GameCube games work on the Wii, believe it or not. Some of them would not load. So that's kind of what brought me to buy the GameCube again recently and a couple of years ago was because of that. So I say just get the GameCube. You can get it for like 20 bucks or some places, 40 maybe at the most, but it's totally worth it.
1: You're going to spend more on a WaveBird, but you got to have a WaveBird.
0: Uh, WaveBirds are so cool. Yeah, that's another thing we didn't mention. That came out around the same time as Eternal Darkness. It was a Waybird, but it worked so good. It was the first
1: truly wireless controller that you didn't need to have a line of sight to the TV.
0: Yeah, it worked so good. It worked really, really good. Like it would work. Like And it had a pretty long distance. Like you could work. You know, if you're like an apartment building, it would work. Like outside of the building, you know, it would still work. It's great, great, great thing.
1: Get yourself a GameCube and a Waybird.
0: Yeah, buy the GameCube and the Waybird, and uh, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about another thing, but. In the meantime, get yourself a cheap GameCube and a wafer and some melee and you know, play the shit out of it. Anyway, we're signing off. It's myself Trey Johnson and Yeah, hey, how's
1: it going to meet Jeremy Mikowski?
0: And uh, and if and if you like our podcast, uh, on the um, you have to go to it on a PC, but on our uh, our Facebook page, Nintendo Main Podcast on Facebook, there's a PayPal donation. If you like us and you feel like giving us like a buck or two, you know, go for it. It's on there but you have to look at it on the PC. You know, if you, if if you want to. It is uh, just to help us, you know, keep the cast running and all that. We'd appreciate it. But um thank you for tuning in and uh, we'll catch you next week. We're out of here. Later. Go!
1: Go! Maso! Inazuma I'm a killer, a beauty I'm